The Arch Publications Podcast. You're listening to the Arch Publications Business Insight Podcast. In this episode, I talk to Andrew Pass. He's the owner of a jewellers in Crewe and in Newcastle called John Pass. They've been around for 75 years this year and they're celebrating. He tells me how. Hope you enjoy. All those years ago, it was really my grandfather who who was himself the son of a watchmaker who served his time in the RAF as an instrument maker um, during the Second World War. And when he was demobbed from the RAF, he applied the apprenticeship that he'd learned beforehand to set up a very small business um, with his brother in Haslington, just outside of Crewe. And yeah. um, that was 75 years ago to this very year. We are in the shop on Nantwich Road, which is the one that everybody knows in Cheshire. So how did the business grow from just doing watches to other type of retail? So um, that was really um, a credit of my grandfather and my dad. Um, They started off in the service industry in Haslington, repairing watches in a very small way. My granddad at the time with his brother. And um, for those who've lived in the area for a long time, they'll remember that my granddad's brother um, went to open a small shop in Olsager. And in return, granddad came from Haslington to this site in Nantwich Road. And really in those early days, it was was just a, a... a, a move onto Nantwich Road where we still provided a watchmaking service. My dad joined the business. He was going to be a teacher and um, he decided that uh, Grandad at the time was getting a little bit busy towards Christmas so he would leave his studies for a short while in order to come and help out and uh, like many generational businesses he never went back to his uh, studies and joined the business and really in fairness it was my mum and dad who built the retail side of the business whilst maintaining a uh, service centre on site both in terms of watch repairs at that time and jewellery repairs and of course Martin our jeweller he's actually been here next year uh, for 50 years of those 75 years wow. so he's celebrating next year his 50th uh, year service after our 75th as a business here on Nantwich Road you make your own jewellery here do you so if someone came in and they wanted a particular style of engagement ring you could actually do that here absolutely our bespoke service um, you can come in with a jewellery of an idea you can have pictures off Pinterest off TikTok Instagram doesn't matter what <laughs> just show us what it is that's on your mind and we can um, we can take you on that journey from a two dimensional drawing into a 3D wax printing of the item so that you can actually visualise it in 3D space and handle it before it's made and then um, we get it manufactured now um, we don't always manufacture every piece here in our workshop our workshop here does an awful lot of our repair work uh, and a limited amount of our manufacture but we also get manufacturing done um, with one of Britain's oldest if not the oldest workshop of manufacturing jewellers in the UK. And so we get that piece manufactured bespoke, English handmade for you. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. So can you can you do it? Can you make jewellery? Um, <laughs> I'm not trained at the bench. Uh, right. My background was Marks and Spencers. Um, I have a little bit of an eclectic background. I graduated uh, in uh, with a first class honours degree from Cardiff in mining engineering. Wow. Um, and in those days, um, the blue chip companies would actively recruit any graduate. And I I was lured into the world of Marks and Spencers, went as a graduate trainee for them and um, spent the first few years of my life selling knickers and bananas. Okay. Uh, with Marks and, and Spencers. great sandwiches. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, travelled around with them, did a number of stores with them um, all over the UK. And again, that same story repeated itself. I recognised that mum and dad were at the time getting a little bit um, short-handed and a little bit tired as they got older.
older and the demands of the business were growing. So allegedly, well, I actually took a year career break from Marks and Spencers and not dissimilar to my dad, um, never actually returned back to M&S after that year. So um, that was nearly 30, 30 plus years ago now. But I suppose that retail experience has been really important. Absolutely. For this. I think uh, particularly for the challenges that retail has faced, bricks and mortar retail has faced and is facing. Um, I think it's really healthy for a family business to um, encourage their succession plan, to learn some transferable skills elsewhere. Um, Sadly, in our industry, we see a lot of businesses die on the vine because there isn't that fresh injection of ideas and ways forward. And the story repeats itself again. My daughter's just graduated in um, biochemistry and is currently working in uh, research of uh, toxicology, doing a master's um, at those as well. And we're encouraging him to go out and do that at this present time because these transferable skills will come in with a different perspective on the business and a different way of looking things. And that helps you keep things fresh and alive. And um, I think it's important. And indeed, when you look at the team that we've recruited, recruited lately and we've brought them in from different industries as well just to give us that as I say different perspective Mm -hmm. on how things can be done and make sure we stay fresh and current. So in your time here has there been something that you've sold that has been particularly memorable as far as jewellery is concerned? I think um, one of the things we're famous for is we treat all customers equal and um, I think maybe your question probes the answer of a really expensive item. It does actually. It, It absolutely doesn't in our world. We have a phrase you know we say in our group hog in the morning let's make dreams happen and that dream can be anything it can be a very sentimental piece that just needs repairing in time for maybe perhaps a funeral or a wedding something that's really significant to people and jewelry and retail jewelry and watches is a very emotional business in fact to answer your question you know, there's never a day that goes by um, without we do something memorable for somebody. Mm. It really doesn't matter the value of that. It's just about making people happy. And uh, our strap line is a great place to work, a great place to shop. Yeah. And that's what we try and do every day. With talking about memories, uh, say, for example, someone has some jewellery that's um, been handed down, but they wanted to make it a bit more modern. Can you use the stones from that and the gold and turn it into something? Absolutely. I just said a background to that. We're the UK's only and first, consequently, carbon neutral retail jeweller. And so there's a whole story I could tell you about that. You tell me. Um, (laughs) But I won't bore you with all that detail in this conversation. But basically, upcycling and recycling is a big part of what we're trying to do more and more of now. So there's nothing better as far as we're concerned to take in perhaps a slightly dated, out of fashion piece of jewellery that nevertheless carries huge sentiment and rework the stones sometimes rework the metal the same sometimes we bring fresh metal in but the sentiment carries on through the generations and we would always encourage people to think about remodeling jewelry jewelry that's left in a drawer is doing nobody any good nobody needs to have the um, jewelry in a drawer it's no fun to anybody but if you have something at home that you just think you want to upcycle or recycle come and talk to us we can design it for you we can take you on that journey and uh, make it the right piece of jewelry for the next generation we actually touched on before we started the interview careers in watchmaking and jewellery if somebody really wanted to become a jeweller or a watchmaker and how do they go into jewellery as a career so there's many avenues and I think um, you know as an industry um, I would really passionately like to put it out there that we are desperately keen for people young old it really doesn't matter to consider a career in either watchmaking it's a slightly confusing phrase that's really in the UK at the moment more about uh, 
service centers for watches and servicing watches. Um, there's a very only a very limited and niche business of actually English handmade watches. So we talk about the word watchmaking. It means servicing watches um, and meaning that they can be used reliably for the next 10, 12 years and beyond uh, and for subsequent generations. And similarly with um, with jewelry, there's a lot more manufacturing jewelry in the UK, but there's equally, and the same way we have watchmaking and servicing watches, we have the same thing. We have repairing jewelers as well. Um, the message is really serious out there and it, it's really clear. Um, we, we need you and uh, we can't attract enough people into the industry. I don't believe it's anything to do with conditions or pay. I just don't think people think mm-hmm. about um, becoming a repairing jeweler or a watchmaker. Mm-hmm. And it's a wonderful career. It's inc- incredibly rewarding. And of course, both inherent in them are detail. You have to be very detailed and very, very focused and precise and creative to a degree, but just a wonderful career. Mm-hmm. And uh, if anybody's out there um, is thinking about a changing career, um, just get in touch with us because we'll guide them and support them on that journey with pleasure. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. I'm going to go home and say to my 13-year-old boy who wants to be a pilot, probably going to cost us less to put you through the training than being a pilot. Or he could do both. He could do both. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's good to have plan A, plan B and plan C and um, see which which one works out the best. Yeah, because people who want to be pilots very often love watches. I mean, the Red Arrows, often you see them as sponsors of certain brands of watches. Yeah. And I think that's uh, that's great because it's getting him into like enjoying watches early. He's already got a case um, with various dif- different watches in. I think that's just really nice yeah. thing for him to have. There's a lot of synergy. People who like and enjoy watches and watchmaking often have synergies with military. They have synergies with engineering, synergies with cars. And actually they often don't just think that next step into watchmaking. But we would encourage anybody to give it a go because it's incredibly rewarding. Do you think watches are coming back again? Because there was a, f- a period of time that everybody was looking at the phones. I, I normally wear a watch. I haven't got it on today, but I do normally wear a watch. Do you think they're coming back? I don't think they ever went away. I think that there's many motivators why people buy watches and jewellery. And um, there's no doubt that the, the, the accurate time source is all around of It's on our laptop in front of us. It's on our iPhone. It's on our mobile phone. It's everywhere. Um, and so perhaps the primary function of a watch these days um, is, is slightly reduced because we're accessible to the time wherever we go. In fact, we can't escape it sometimes. But people's motivators for buying watches and jewellery are, are many, many multiple facets. And um, I think what has changed in the industry is that both particularly watches and jewellery to a greater extent have gone uh, emotional and sentimental and and luxurious as well. Luxury has come into the watch industry um, a lot, lot more. Um, and I think, you know, perhaps that lower end watch purchase has been superseded by the mobile phone. Mm. But people now like to treat themselves to an item of fine, beautiful engineering and manufacturing and value it for that and enjoy it for that reason. Is it still Swiss watches which are the best made? If you ask the Swiss, of course they tell you that. <laughs> there are there are some emerging markets at the moment. Um, um, Britain has got a little bit of a, um, a, a an acorn of, of British manufacturing of fine quality watches. Uh, and in fact, the Far East is now bringing out some very fine quality mechanical watches. Oh. But there is no doubt and there is no question that the Swiss remain absolutely masters of their trade. And uh, yeah, they're, they're, they are amazing at what yeah. they do. Uh, and I've been fortunate enough in my time to visit some of these manufacturing sites and meet the people that make these watches.
coaches, their discipline, their skills, their expertise, their focus, their passion is like no other. Mm. And you only find that in Switzerland. Mm. And consequently, they're the only people, the only nation that really delivers the goods mm. to that high level of horology. Because it goes back for generations and generations, doesn't it? It's Absolutely. Probably families and families that have done it for years and years. It is. And I think it's probably fair to say it's actually developed in Switzerland, a people type and that, that has been crafted and influenced by that industry over generations. And uh, they're an incredibly skilled and talented group of people that mm. make these things. Um, and it's not just watches as well. We see the same in jewellery. Um, jewellery made in certain um, geographic locations around the world where expertise has grown over the years and become a centre of excellence. And that itself just breeds this, this culture and this society. Of course, we've got in, in the UK, we've got the Birmingham Jewellery Quarter and, and to a lesser degree, perhaps these days, Hatton Garden in London. Um, but one of our best um, fine jewellery manufacturers is in a um, small town in Germany called Ida Oberstein. And uh, that, that company name is Krieger Fine Jewellery. And um, they're there because of historic origins in the um, geology of the area where generations and generations ago, a very small cottage industry started due to the fact that they have some natural onyxes in the ground, which allowed them to create beautiful objects of art. Uh, and that slowly manifested itself into a cutting and polishing industry, which has now transitioned into Germany's finest centre for, for handmade fine jewellery. So history plays a big part in this um, cultural uh, manufacturing hubs around the world. You also sell some brands as well, don't you? You do Pandora, you do Swarovski yeah. crystals yeah. and the Welsh, I can never yeah, say can it. I? That's beautiful gold, isn't it? That, yeah, the amazing. Welsh gold. Yeah, I mean, um, fashion jewellery probably wasn't uh, such a strong feature pre the start of the millennium. And um, gradually and slowly, as brand became more important to the consumer, the consumer started to look for jewellery that fell underneath a brand label. I certainly know in my time and my dad's time here in the business, mum and dad's time, you know, people would come to us, I think, entirely and exclusively because it was a piece of fine jewellery from John Pass. Mm -hmm. We were the brand. I believe it's important we keep our identity and we still are the brand, but it is also right that we sell branded jewellery under our umbrella of the brand. So we're very careful and strict which brands we let into our business, but when they represent something that we believe the customer want, like you mentioned with Pandora, Swarovski, Clog Eye, phenomenal branded jewellery that people can um, empathise with, they understand the DNA of the brand and they they, they, they connect with that brand. Uh, that's been the single biggest um, growth area in our business in the last 20 years and um, it's been quite quite fascinating to watch how customers like branded jewellery. Mm. So 75 years, you've got a very special year planned. You are doing 75 moments of kindness this year, aren't you? So yeah. do you want to just tell me about how that came about yeah, of course. and the plans? Yeah, of course. Um, it's, um, gosh, again, I, I, I won't take you fully around the houses, but um, 
I'd love to speak to you at the latest stage about our corporate social responsibilities, which is a big word, but um, that was born on the back of the dreadful pandemic that was. Mm. Um, But it started us thinking in a certain way. And I think it's a really healthy way and a really important way. And when it came to our 75th birthday this year, we thought, "Mm, naturally, your thoughts go to, oh, just throw a great big party. You know, let's have a a knees up. Let's have fun. And, And indeed, we might do that. But... I don't think that's enough. Um, What are we actually celebrating? We're celebrating 75 successful years of a business. And without the community around us, we simply wouldn't have that business. So we decided that the main thrust of our 75th party celebrations should be giving something back. And we've created an idea that in in this current year we're going to do 75 acts of kindness now our corporate social responsibilities charter breaks into three areas it's climate it's charity and it's community so um for one of these acts of kindness um to be relevant we need to check that it improves our climate our charity or our community and we've said to the team if it takes one of those three boxes two of them or three it doesn't matter that is a moment of kindness and we will support our team, we have about 25 members of the team, um, to go out and do that thing, whatever it is, so long as it makes a difference, a positive difference to our charity, our community, or our climate. And I, and I would like to just say now, if there's a charity out there or a community project out there, or uh, you know, an environmental project out there that that people want to help with, mm-hmm. whilst we've 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 only launched this initiative last Friday, and already we've got by next Sunday we'll have three moments of kindness behind us. We're not short of ideas. Um, we would welcome anybody to approach us to say if we need some help to do anything to make something happen. So we're going to give back these 75 moments and um, some of them will be big, some of them won't be as big, some of them will be teams, some of them will be individual, but we think it's the right thing to do. And of course, it'll be reflected through in Stoke-on-Trent as well because mm-hmm. we have our shop in Newcastle underline. So it's really the crew Nantwich area and then um, the Staffordshire area as well, North Staffs as well. Do you see yourself ever moving from Nantwich Road? Because I just think you're like when you think of Nantwich Road I always think of you yeah it's nice people do that and um, my granddad had a phrase um, if you're any good they'll find you down a country lane mm-hmm. I, I passionately believe that I think people travel if you look at the hospitality and catering industry you'll travel sometimes 10 or 12 miles just to go out for your dinner at night mm-hmm. because it's good and very often it's down a country lane I think you, you know if you're good and the offer that you give is good and it's all the things the consumer wants that they, we, we have become Become a destination stop, and that's a wonderful um, thing to be. Of course, with the free parking on Nantwich Road and in the surrounding areas, it's it's very convenient for customers. I passionately believe, actually, we could put anything in our windows because if you watch a customer journey when they arrive on Nantwich Road, they are focused. They they know they've come to John Pass mm-hmm. on Nantwich Road. They walk past our windows without actually giving it very many second glances. They know they've come to see us, and it's through that word of mouth that people then send other people and. In the journey just carries on. So in answer, no. I don't think we'll ever leave Nantwich Road. Obviously, for people in North Staffs, if they don't want to come to Nantwich Road, we've got the other alternative in Newcastle under Lyme. Um, but I think rather like a comfy pair of slippers, people like to mm. come back to us on Nantwich Road. They've been doing it for generations and we see the next generations um, coming in now and um, it makes you feel very old sometimes. 
when you're serving third and fourth generations. Yeah, yeah it's it's easy, it's convenient, and um, that welcome over the generations has never changed. Well, thank you very much for taking some time out today to talk to me, and here's to the next 75 years. Thanks very much indeed. Thanks for taking your time too. listening to the Arch Publications Business Insight Podcast, where I spoke to Andrew Pass from John Pass, the jewellers. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. I'll have another one coming up very soon where I'll speak to another local business in Cheshire. See you next time.